0: And welcome to this week's episode of And the Pod Goes To presented by the Message Board. I am Alex. With me always is my co-host, Nathan. Nathan, do you want to tell everyone where we are recording from this week? Uh this week we are recording from my house, in my living room, together. This is the first time we've ever recorded in person. So this is this is fun. This is this is good for the team. Yes. I'm excited. It feels good. It feels it natural. Feels right. <laughs> it feels good. Uh, this week we're going to be discussing um, Home Alone. Mm-hmm. We we'll talking about that movie. It's gonna be great, and then we're also gonna talk about uh, five gifts that we wanted as kids that we never got. So, mom and dad, if you're listening, just just know I really wanted this shit.
1: <laughs> it's probably I've, in in hindsight, I thought about my list when I made it, and I'm like. I'm so glad I didn't get any of this because it would have broken immediately and then I would have just been pissed.
0: That makes sense to me. That makes sense to
1: or me. Or gotten bored of them in like two minutes and then, you know, then they just take up space.
0: <laughs> well, you want to talk about some movie news?
1: Yeah, let's start it off. Uh, so first up, Netflix has delayed the production of The Gray Man. Uh, it's the Evans-Gosling thriller that was slated to begin production in mid-January. Um, I mean, they're, they were filming in Los Angeles. There's been the huge, you know... Uh, the outbreak has kind of started up again in LA. Everything
0: shutting down, so they've pushed back production on that movie. Which kind of stinks. Well, I mean, we'll get the movie eventually. Like they're not going to give up on this movie. I am really excited about it. Mm-hmm. I think the title is dumb as shit. Like the Gray Man. It's a, it sounds like, it just sounds like a, a horror movie that you'd find on a free a Tubi. You know the free app. Mm-hmm. It's on so. If they can work on the title, that'd be that'd be good. They can. You can figure that shit out, but I I'm excited about the movie. I just I I, I don't want to wait. For sure. sure, I'm impatient. I'm an instant gratification kind of yeah, person.
1: Yeah, I hear you. But the nice thing is that now there is a ton of stuff releasing. Mm-hmm. Um, like new. I think three new movies have come out this last week. A couple are releasing on Christmas with Wonder Woman and Soul. So you have something to kind of movies to fill up your time until something new comes out. This is. I, I'm still trying to get over the idea that I'm looking at you while we're talking. <laughs> I'm not just. It's. It is weird because I'm trying not to just stare at my iPad where all of my
2: notes well, are.
0: You, when we when we record normally, like I'm literally either looking at my computer or my phone while when you're talking, and I'm like zoning out, and, like I'm trying to focus by like looking at nothing. So now I'm like looking at you. I'm like I don't know if this is weird. Right. Is this is this creepy? This is all a dream. <laughs> it was all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got next? Thanks, skinny. You're welcome. Um.
1: So, No Bad Land uh, get seven nominations from the Chicago Film Critics Association. Um, the movie is directed, written, produced, and edited by Chloe Zhao, who's directing the upcoming old Marvel Eternals movie. Um, no, So Nomadland stars uh, Frances McDormand and chronicles a woman's journey as she leaves her small town and travels uh, around the American West. So sm- smaller movie hasn't come out yet. It, it played really well at the International Film Festivals, um, and then it should be releasing mm-hmm. soon, uh, but already getting a ton of nominations, which... Um, usually tells us it's, it's going to be probably a front runner at the Oscars in April.
0: Is Frances McDormand, like, the like the only person, like, really good person in this movie, or is it— Yeah,
1: I mean, it's—Frances McDormand's like, the only notable actress in it. The rest are actual, like, nomads that live in the American West and travel around and, like, live out of vans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be—it's going to have that uh, authenticity to it because of that. But, of course, you get just an incredible acting performance because I don't think— Frances McDormand just doesn't miss.
0: She doesn't. No, and she she for sure will be up for an Oscar this year. For some reason, and this just might be because of I three of three billboards, but I could have sworn Sam Rockwell was gonna be in this movie. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know why, I just like every time I think of a movie I was like, huh, Sam Rockwell could be in that movie. Right. I it could be literally any movie.
1: Just yeah, he could give in me it could be any movie. Sam Rockwell can be in it. Uh,
0: that's that's good.
1: No, that's good. What do you got next? Uh so Jim Carrey is opting out as playing Joe Biden on SNL.
0: Sorry, I just took a drink. <laughs> um so is there he's just opting out. He's just he's just tired of the character. He's tired of He so
1: his original contract was only to do the six episodes up to the election. Mm-hmm. And I think the expectation was that he was going to pull the uh same move uh, Alec Baldwin did as Trump and just keep coming back as Trump, but i'm honestly pretty happy they're going away from his version of biden because i really wasn't a fan of it Mm -hmm. um but i you know you have really good cast members and then you just they're shoehorning all these celebrities in there to try and make them viable again and try and get those those internet likes so you know i'm just i don't know what i'd expect um like who would I expect to take over the role or anything like that? But I'm just happy it's
0: not Jim Carrey. That makes sense. Like you said, yeah, it's tough for the cast members who are in the on SNL, but they're not getting they're not getting parts because they're bringing in the Alec Baldwins, the Jim Carreys, right. the 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 Melissa McCarthys. Yeah, you know, like they're bringing in these big celebrities because you know it gives them a few claps and mm-hmm. a few extra clicks on on YouTube that night. But yeah, it's, it's tough. I don't mind if she's. I don't know if she's staying or not, but I don't mind Maya
1: Rudolph staying as. Uh, Camilla Harris. Yeah, that's Because Maya Rudolph is just a gr- amazing. Maya I love, Rudolph is I awesome. I love anytime time Maya Rudolph's on something. That's good. No, I like her a lot. What do you got next? Uh, so next up, Willem Dafoe is back as the Green Goblin, potentially. So he's in talks to be in the Spider-Man uh, homesick movie as reprising the role of the green goblin which as we talked about in our elf episode that is yet to release <laughs> that's um, my fault uh green goblin would kind of finish out the sinister six because mm-hmm. with octavius on there um having your other ex your other villains already like set up
0: and everything this finishes your sinister six this is awesome like this is everything that we could ever hope for mm-hmm. is that everyone's coming back potentially, mm-hmm. allegedly, that we're getting uh, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin again. That's going to be just awesome because they can – I mean, they don't have to use the original concept they had. They could, mm-hmm. but they could also get weird with it and change it up because I really like – like, Obviously, uh, Into the Spider-Verse is a little easier to do whatever they wanted mm-hmm. because it's cartoon. It's yep. more animated, so yep. you can kind of create whatever. That Green Goblin was really fun because it was kind of a – it kind of went back to the what the, like the comic version was, but a much larger scale. Because I, I don't think that I don't think I've ever big. seen the goblin in that form. But he looked more like the hobgoblin. To, didn't didn't I don't I,
1: I guess in my in the only like videos or the only like movies and cartoons I've read on, I've watched I should say is like the hobgoblin is basically, he's just the green goblin but orange. Gotcha. Was always the hobgoblin. Gotcha. Character.
0: I thought he would look more like the original plan for the goblin. I don't know. I could be. Wrong. I've never, like I said, I've, it, I've been wrong no multiple times in my no life. In no
1: movie or show, and granted, that's not the comics, and the comics are a huge, expansive universe. But the Green Goblin was always like more of what Willem Dafoe's character was, just not as obviously like teched up. Mm-hmm. Still had the tech, but not like the suit wasn't the same, and and everything like that. I never really saw like an actual like genetically morphed version of the Hob- mm-hmm. of the green goblin like you got in um like you got in, into the spider verse. Interesting.
0: Regardless, regardless. Regardless. This is exciting because we can build this could just really mess the whole Marvel cinematic universe up and I'm excited about it. Right. That. And to me this proves
1: this proves that Sam Raimi Spider Man movies, three being the outcast, are amazing. Because mm-hmm. if Marvel's like, yes, we want this character and this character, they keep bringing back his villains mm-hmm. and they don't they'd probably uh I don't wanna say it, but if it weren't for um if it weren't for them doing their own version of Venom, they'd probably have uh what's his face in talks to come back as Venom. Right. Which is probably better that Tom Hardy's doing
0: it. Correct, but yeah, we don't need a we we don't need Topher Grace coming back and being Eddie Brock, all Reds. (laughs) That's what I think of
1: Topher Grace all the time is Ocean's Eleven. Yep, every time I did watch that recently. Nice, nice. Uh, so next up, CBS is releasing a series based on FBI agent Clarice Starling from Silence of the Lambs. Um, because of how character rights are divided between rival studios Hannibal will not be a character on the show Mm -hmm. he actually cannot even be mentioned on the show but similar to NBC did a Hannibal show and Clarice was not part of it or allowed to be mentioned because they did not have the rights to her character Um, the show is set to take place about a year after the hunt for Buffalo Bill Mm -hmm. and the presumed status is that Hannibal is
0: at large it could be an interesting concept for a show, but it would be a lot better if Hannibal was part of it. Like not like, not like always there. Like every episode, he's not there. But like, mm-hmm. or, like if even if it was mentioned, that would make the the I would make the show better, for if you me. ask me. Because like I, I and they might be able to introduce whatever they want, any random serial killers, any mm-hmm. weird weird stuff that they want to do. It's just it's just odd that they're taking a character from the Hannibal universe and not putting Hannibal in Hannibal in it, right? Because he's the most elect, like he's the best character, oh, from obviously. That, yeah,
1: obviously. And I think, I think their ability to, CBS, as they say, knows drama. They do pretty well with it. Actually, like their their shows are, you know, my my mom's a huge NCIS fan. Mm-hmm. My sister's all like NCIS a lot, and they do the the cop dramas and stuff like that really well. So I think there's potential for this show. Um, I just again like. I'm I'm guessing so much of it's going to be written where she's, like, following other serial killers mm-hmm. and she's trying to do things, but in the back of her mind will always be that Hannibal got loose because of her. Mm-hmm. And if you can't mention that, there's just—it's tough to kind of drive that, like, drive that character farther when you can't do anything with them.
0: Fair, fair. I just wonder— I- I don't, I don't know if they they talked about show specifics as far as writing goes. Like if it'll be like every episode's a new serial killer, or if the season arc is one serial killer. Mm-hmm. So I'll just be I'll be interested to see. I do I I don't hate the cop like dramas like the the crime dramas that CBS has. Like there's some decent ones. Like NCIS is good. Like I don't watch them in a row. Like I I don't binge watch them. But if mm-hmm. one's on, like I'll put I could put a random one on and just like it. Yep. Same what like, Criminal Minds, like, I don't need to follow, like, yeah, there's, like, a sw- small little storyline every once in a while, mm-hmm. but generally every episode is its own thing, yep. so you can watch it and do that, and that's kind of, that's why I like them, um, but yeah, if it's, if this is, if this has, like, an actual, like, arc where they're following a serial killer each season, mm-hmm. that might be cool, but yeah. if they, I mean, I can see them also doing the, the one serial killer an episode thing, too, because that's right. what, you know, our dumb brains can handle sometimes. Right. It's just there's not this the one. And it's
1: better for like, it's better for TV right. to do the, to do the one-offs because you don't have to like, if people miss a week, they don't have to worry about getting back to their TV screen right. because it's all connected. But as TV as shown on things like true detective and Dexter and things like that, I like that like one murder story arc throughout the entire series because i think it just builds a lot of drama and it builds better tension mm-hmm. but like you said there's also that fact that just the the power i mean whatever you want to call the the system is just like as cbs's shows again it's they might be do like a two or three episode arc for some villains but it's it's more or less one-offs but like if you and that's better for like tv but if you get like federal agents involved mm-hmm. or i should say it's better for like local law enforcement but if you're getting federal agents involved those are typically like very long drawn out um investigations. so mm-hmm. i mean to only do one episode and how many serial killers can there be
0: that's fair that's fair there's a lot of weird people in this world nathan it's also fair a lot of weird people what do you got next Uh, So next up,
1: Sony pulls Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven from stores and offers a full refund on both the DVD or like the digital disc games as well as the online store. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, Cyberpunk has been it's it was the big move. It was a big game that was going to get released with the PS five, and it did. Um, They had Keanu Reeves tied in with it and everything like that, and it was this. It was just a huge game coming out coming out of the gate. And there are problems with the former generation uh, consoles. So it's not so much with like the new PS5s or the Xbox Series S. It's PS, it's Xbox ones, it's PS4s that are having mm-hmm. issues with the games. And I'm guessing just because of how much the graphics are upping and how much like the gameplay is upping to the new system, mm-hmm. that the new the older systems can't keep up.
0: Yeah. So I didn't download it, but I have friends at work who got it mm-hmm. and. He he said he played it, and within, like, five hours, his game crashed three times. Really? Yep. Super glitchy. Yep. When he downloaded it, it was 126 gigabytes of of, sto- of storage it needed for just that game. And that's just for the initial just game. Download, yep. That doesn't include up, updates later or patches or anything like that later. So, yeah, it, it, he said it's awesome. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot of weird things. I don't know if people understand how weird you can get with this game, but you can literally... Is detail- it like Grand Theft Auto weird, where you can you- like go to a strip club and just
1: sit there and get lap dances for hours? You
0: can detail your person so much that you can choose the size, color, and shape of the penis. Interesting. Interesting. And he also sent me a video the other night. He had a a, a dildo sword that when he swung it, <laughs> it vibrated. <laughs> that was actually pretty cool. Yeah. I, almost, I almost wanted to You're download the jealous. game just to go swing dildos at people. <laughs> but i don't have enough room on my xbox for that and i know for like sure. and i don't i have an xbox 1 I, I i don't have the next gen yet a because i don't need it and b because you can't get it mm-hmm. um i've kicked around the idea of building a, a pc just because i kind of want to I, I get weird like i like to do projects like mm-hmm. i like to build things like not necessarily build things but like i like to i like to get an obsession and i like to deal with it for a while for sure And like this podcasting thing became a little bit of an obsession and you can see the equipment that we're using now and setting all that up. That's become like a little bit of an obsession of mine. And now I want to jump into something else. And so I think I might build a PC Mm -hmm. and might start because I know a PC that the gaming has been really good for Cyberpunk because they're able to handle that. Right. It was it's it's, it's... graphics cards. Yeah. They can everything can handle that. So I thought, why wouldn't I just build a PC so I can have a editing. For podcasts and B, just so I can I can start gaming on it. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to convince the wife that that's uh, that's your next step. That that's my next step. That might be a that might be a little tougher to to sell. To sell, <laughs> even though she just bought herself an iPad Pro, yeah. and I wasn't happy about it. Yeah, that's okay. So get this. This was this is good. So she comes <laughs> into my office the other day. I'm listening. And I'm sitting there working mm-hmm. like a normal person. And she busted my office and she says, hey, what would you think if I got approved for a Best Buy card and I financed um, an iPad Pro? Because mm-hmm. she likes she, – she's starting to do more drawings and more stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like we can talk about it when we get home tonight. Like we can discuss it. And she's like, oh, well, I already did it. And she turned and walked out. <laughs> I'm like, are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? Like this is horse shit. <laughs> so oh. now – and then I had to go drive my ass to the in, in into Minneapolis because the one best one Best Buy that had it was in down or near downtown Minneapolis, so I had to drive through 5 p.m. traffic. Mm-hmm. <sighs> best Buy in downtown
1: Minneapolis or Minneapolis survived, huh? Barely, 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 barely enough to I still have an iPad Pro. When
0: I when I moved to Minneapolis for the first three months, I lived in the sketchiest part. Like I lived blocks away from where George Floyd died. Mm-hmm. Like I was in the shit. Yep. But yeah, so that's that's my story. Yeah. I, I digress. Uh, what do you got next? Um,
1: I was just gonna I was gonna mention on that. So like with all the stuff of the new PS Five coming out and everything, <clears throat> honestly, I kind of want to go back and get like a PS Two mm-hmm. and just play a lot of like the old, yeah. like the old games that like were movie based. So mm-hmm. I was thinking about like the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers games that came yeah. out. Like those were awesome. Kingdom Hearts would be a really good Kingdom one. Kingdom Hearts too. would be a good one. Getting into like, I could get NFL Blitz again. You could. I could get into again.
0: Fuck yeah, I'd love Blitz. So I had, which one did I? I had, I had the I had the Two Towers, the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers for my GameCube, mm-hmm. and that game was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was so cool, and I couldn't grasp, like, uh, you know, normally when you get like these movie tie-in games, they're really mm. cheesy. They yeah. they just pump them out as fast as they can to get them out. Like every movie had a video game for a long time there, and maybe they still do. I don't follow that part as much anymore. But like there was like, you know, Shrek the game. Oh was yeah. Spider like Spider Man games were actually pretty cool because Sony yeah. Sony knew what they were doing. Right. But the Spider Man games The game Transformers Transformers game. and yeah. Marvel
1: had games and um I mean like you said Shrek had games. There was a Family Guy video game. There were just right. so many like awesome games for the PS two and I kinda hate the way gameplay is going where you have to have a membership, you have to pay in money and like the pay to play and everything like that i'm so tired of Mm -hmm. i'm so sick of that money grab Mm -hmm. just like just give me a good game like they're focusing more on the pay in stuff Mm -hmm. and like well like i play some madden still and Mm -hmm. because i have ea access on my xbox i'll download the like last year's version of madden i think the new one will probably be out in like january or february Mm -hmm. so i'll be able to get Madden 2021 and i'll play like their ultimate modes and stuff like that and it's like well, you
0: earn this player. You earn this player, but you could buy this player. Yeah, and there's those little, oh, there's these turds that are online, like these kids. Just call them what they are. They're, they're they're little dicks. is what they are. Because what they do is they take mommy and daddy's credit card and they buy the ultimate player packs and they build their teams up really high. And then there's people like you and me mm-hmm. that work our asses off to get these <laughs> ultimate teams going. Right. And these little shitheads come in. Right. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Fuck same with NBA, it's the exact same thing in NBA. Right. Like I get, I get the, I you know, you build your cards, you build your your basketball players up, and then here comes this kid with a freaking 2004 Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. just slaying. Yep. Stupid. Yep. Stupid. It's dumb. I hate, hate, it. hate it. I hate kids. So I kind of want to go back to like I said, go go back
1: to the PS2. Like you have your N64. Yeah. I want to get a PS2 and just really rock out some yeah. games, and that's not a that's not a rock band. Joke. Nice. It's just I want to like just go back and play some of those mm-hmm. old Playstation Two games. Mm-hmm. Like uh Star Wars, for instance. They did those they did battlefront games yeah. like for the PS two that were
0: awesome. Back when they were actually good. Right. The graphics were shit, but the gameplay was awesome. Like Knights of the Old Republic was such a great mm-hmm. game. Um yeah, there was a ton of sweet Star Wars games that like really dove into like the lore of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And then now like EA took over and really started releasing their battlefronts. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Yep. Terrible. I just want the old games. I understand. I understand. I feel you, homes.
1: Good. I'm Good. Glad we could be this. Good.
0: Good. Uh, so next up, Millie Bobby Brown is set
1: to star in a sci-fi movie uh, called The Electric State. Uh, it's going to be directed by the Russo Brothers. Mm-hmm. Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who wrote all the Russo Brothers Avenger movies. So Civil War, they wrote um, Civil War, Endgame, Infinity War, mm-hmm. and Winter Soldier. So those are the writers of the movie, um, are are also going to write the are going to write the movie The Electric State. Um, it's based off a book by Simon Stahl-Hag. Um It's set in an alternate reality, and actually it takes place in 1997. So here's the synopsis from the book: um, In an alternate reality, where a runaway teenager and her small yellow toy robot travel west through a strange American landscape where the ruins of a gigantic battle drones litter the countryside along with discarded trash of high-tech consumerist society addicted to a VR system. Um, So they travel west, and basically, as they're traveling, trying to find her brother because her brother sent her this robot, Mm -hmm. they're trying, uh, she uncovers, like, this mass conspiracy and everything like that. Um, But honestly, just the names pulled me into this mm-hmm. i mean i i'm we're both big sci-fi nerds mm-hmm. but millie bobby brown like he she has shown me that she can do movies beyond stranger Trindles. things the russo brothers of course are amazing the fact that they're teaming up with the writers who did mm-hmm. their their best movies in terms of marvel um, and it's based off a book that already i think actually the book is being written while they're developing this mm-hmm. movie but i think there's just this really good potential for um, just an incredible movie and getting it, maybe even turning this into a series or mm-hmm. kind of creating its own thing.
0: No, this will be cool. Cause it, it, in theory it should be a big budget thing. And like you said, like Millie Bobby Brown has shown us that she can act beyond not being able to say words as 11 from stranger things. Um, she's a good actress and she's mm-hmm. going to be, she's going to be here for a long time, which yep. is gonna be cool. Yep. And obviously yeah, like the Russo brothers doing their thing. This is what I want though. I want the Russo brothers or somebody to take on a Ronin, movie like ronin
1: as in like hawkeye uh, oh okay. turn ronin oh
0: gotcha so okay so think, there's like a billion ronin. i thought you were saying not, like, like sir sure ronin no no, no 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 sorry sorry or like not ronin the destroyer or anything like that but like right. like ronin like okay so that like obviously in the movie end game we see ronin tearing up um tokyo mm-hmm. try to get one through those yakuza's like that that shot that one shot of him coming through and down and around like mm-hmm. that felt so different from the rest of the movie but it was so badass and so cool right if we did like a, a standalone movie of that yeah i'd
1: be all in. that'd be pretty sweet I'd i think that i it would have to be a one-off is the thing and that's fine that's but, fine but the other thing that i'm looking at are like the russo brothers are great but i think a movie like that It's not going to have a whole lot of levity, which part of what makes the Russo brothers great is they can take really good action, but they add really good comedy to it, Mm -hmm. which a a movie like Ronin, I don't need. So like get the, get the John Wick directors. in. Yeah, that'd be good. Like they were their stunt team, their choreograph, their choreography and everything like that. Get those guys in there. And I think you're going to, I think that would be your better setup for a Ronin movie.
0: The only reason I say that is just because that, that shot in the movie is probably one of my favorite things from a movie that has everything.
1: Mm -hmm. That's fair.
0: And it was just, it was just cool and badass for sure. And I would like to see him like, like after the snap, him traveling like, like doing all this. Like that'd mm-hmm. be a cool like. I can think that could be a cool story arc. Right. It almost sounds like a Disney Plus series. I could do it.
1: <laughs> I could do it. Give it like two seasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. Give it like maybe how many years was it? Five years it five between years, the yeah. snap and the blip, or the them coming back. So mm-hmm. give it like five seasons. <laughs> Every season becomes a year, and he's chasing mm-hmm. down a different like person mm-hmm. and has, again, side stories and everything like that. I could get into that. I could do it. It'd be good. What do you got next? So next up, uh, this is a, a, a movie we slightly talked about on this podcast before. Eurovision. <laughs> okay. It has been nominated for no. Best Compilation Soundtrack for Visual Media at the Grammys. No. And the song Huskovic. Has is considered a front runner for Best Original Song at the Academy Awards?
0: No. 2020 is <laughs> <2020's> the worst. <laughs> this is so dumb.
1: But, but they're gonna win all that stuff in twenty twenty one.
0: Yeah, but it still comes from. the ugh, This is so <laughs> stupid. I hate all of this. You haven't even given the movie a chance. I don't need to, Nathan. Just do it. I don't. Need I bet to. you've watched
1: worse stuff since we've since we talked about that movie. Since I tried to get you to watch that movie. I'm
0: trying to think of the worst thing I've watched since Eurovision. God, let me think about this for a second.
1: Did you watch Eurovision? No. I bet you've watched <laughs> worse movies than Eurovision.
0: I'm thinking, like, I'm just thinking, like, from here, from from then, when, when it released to now, the worst thing I've watched. Fuck. I haven't really, like, taken, ch- I shouldn't say haven't taken chances. I haven't really like watched anything that terrible. I feel like lately, I don't know. I don't know what the worst. The worst. I think the worst movie I've ever seen in my life, just from like a hype standpoint, not a hype standpoint, but like the standpoint of me thinking that it would be good and it had just being terrible is. It's- it was a movie called Lady in the Water, mm. and it was an M Night Shyamalan movie. Mm-hmm. I walked out halfway through. It
1: was awful. So awful. I will say I've never DNF'd a movie in the theater. I've done it. I, I haven't. I have not because I'm, I'm a little stingy in that. And like, I
0: paid for this movie. I stuck into a different movie. Okay. That's okay. That works. <laughs> I just, I just walked out and saw, okay, I don't know if it was like the hangover. or If I went and saw something else, I was like, Oh fuck this. And I went. <laughs> and was like, Oh, the hangover. I'll go watch that again. Right. Like,
1: okay, that's good. Um, the worst movie I ever watched was movie 42 oh movie 43 excuse me yes movie 43 terrible movie like I don't even know why I thought it was going to be good because I was 20 and the premise
0: was funny like the the idea like of of all these big actors coming in mm -hmm. and just doing these like Like small skits yeah
1: yeah I it was awful like the worst thing I've ever seen and then you have as I've called him before Dollar Store Kevin Costner, Mm. a.k.a. Dennis Quaid, is, like, starring in the movie, and he's, like, he's, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's, like, scared. Like, he's forcing these scripts onto these, like, TV executives because he just needs the money. Like, he absolutely (laughs) needs to sell this movie to somebody. Like, awful. Terrible. Terrible movie. (laughs) Terrible. 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 Terrible.
0: I'm trying to think of the worst... Besides that, what's the wor- what's the worst movie you've... Okay, so if movie 43 is the worst movie wor- I've ever seen. Movie 43 is the worst movie I've ever seen. Man, that's tough. Worst movie I've ever seen. It it, it it probably is Lady in the Water, but it was a DNF, so I don't know if I can count that. The worst movie I've... Oh, I know what the worst movie I've ever seen is. It's called Across the Universe.
1: Okay. That- it was the
0: Beatles movie. Like So... It's a movie, I can't remember the guy, it's the guy, the main guy from the movie 21. Uh, Oh
1: yeah, I can picture him, I can't think of his name because he sucks.
0: So they're like traveling across America and it's like set to the Beatles soundtrack and it's very trippy and stuff like that. That Mm -hmm. movie sucks ass. And granted, I'm a little biased because I hate the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Yes, I said it. I'm sure I'll get some flack for that. I I don't like the Beatles, I'm sorry, I'm taking a stance, but that movie blew. It was Mm -hmm. awful. And, and Bono is in it, ugh. and he's weird, and it's not, I don't know, ugh. ugh. This wasn't your thing? No. Okay. No. It that's was fair. It was set up for failure from the beginning, but I thought I'd give it a try because this girl I was dating at the time really wanted to watch it, mm-hmm. and you know, when you're like 20. 20, and a girl is interested in you, you kind of have to like, you know, play the game. Right. So. I hear you. That's all I got for that. I'm done. I'm mad. I'm upset now. <laughs>
1: just watch the movie alex
0: (laughs) i don't for a grammy and an oscar yeah there's so much good music that came out this year and we're letting that in and will ferrell
1: would be a tony away from an egot if he wins both of those a
0: tony away from an egot i can see will ferrell getting into musicals he
1: he 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 has been in a musical. He so he well, he's lost in the producers. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. He lost to Elizabeth Taylor yeah. for a Tony. That's right. So he's he's I mean he only has a go, he has a Golden Globe right now. Yep. If this if like the songs from Eurovision end up winning, he is a piece. He's one he's a he's a Tony away from the EGOT. And he can defeat John Legend mm-hmm <laughs> i'm just gonna leave it at that
2: <laughs>
0: what do you
1: got next <laughs> so one more piece of news um so you remember this summer they released or beyonce released black is king it was her visual album mm-hmm. to dedicated or in in conjunction with the lion king so there's a new musical album coming out uh inspired by home alone it's gonna star. it's gonna be uh, released by Post Malone is going to be called
0: Home Malone. <laughs> is this real? I don't know if this is no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I could see you like smirking and like really like leading up to something, but I didn't like. I could see him doing something oh, like 100%. that because he's such like a cheesy dude. Like in I, the best I way. I love possible. Post Malone. So I'm not gonna lie to you. When when I when when Rockstar first came out. I was like, okay, here we go. Like, it's gonna be a one hit wonder. This guy's Mm -hmm. not gonna be good. And everyone's like, oh, Post Malone's, you know, killer dude. And like, my wife even's like, you know, you should really listen to Post Malone. I think you'd like him. And I just, I just like, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna listen to him. I hate him. I -hmm. hate him. I didn't even listen to him. Yeah. But then I started listening to him, and man, do I love Post Malone. I just see the stuff he does, and like, he just doesn't care. Right. And he's like, he's like the purest of dudes (laughs)
1: out there. Like, he's not some guy who got famous and like has a huge head and just Mm -hmm. became a giant piece of shit. Like he is pure, just he's a dude. He's twenty five years old. He's living his best life. He's living his best life. I love like he's great in memes. Mm-hmm. Like the if you've ever seen the video where Dennis Rodman hands him an Olive Garden gift card <clears throat> out of his sock,
0: <laughs> fucking hilarious. I, I there's there's a meme that I really like of him. He's at, just so wholesome at a concert and a girl's flashing him and he's just like giving like the oh
2: yeah <laughs> yeah.
1: He is legitimately like. He's is, he is the person that you would want to get famous because he doesn't let it go to his Correct, head. Correct, yeah. Like, he knows he's famous, and he does just, like, fun shit. Like, was it after Super Bowl party last year where he just, like, walked in to a club with boxes of ones and just made it fucking rain? And it's just—it's shit like that that he does that's like, I like this guy. This guy is good. He's having a good time. just living. I listened to him on uh, Post Malone did Joe Rogan's podcast. Mm-hmm. Dude's trippy as fuck. Like, yep. he he's, claims he has, like, an alien friend. He's, <laughs> like, do tie all the time. Moved out to, like, nowhere Utah mm-hmm. um, just to get away from everything. Like, he's trippy. But dude just loves to have a good time. Yeah. he Like I said, he's the, ti- he's the kind of guy that, like, you hope gets famous because mm-hmm. he doesn't turn into, like, he doesn't turn into an Antonio Brown. Or he doesn't mm-hmm. turn into somebody who came from not
0: much. And then gets famous and just becomes the biggest asshole in the world Mm -hmm. i dig him too because he he's really like he like huge nirvana like fan like he's Mm a huge grunge fan yeah and he actually did like a uh, during quarantine he did like a charity thing where him and travis barker and a couple other other people played Mm -hmm. um they just played like sets of nirvana like they played like whole full like full albums and it's he like he played well like his voice is good like he has like the grungy voice like Oh, he was, it was awesome. Just it was awesome to watch. He's just he's a good. Yeah. Super he's talented. He's a, Malone. he's a lot of. He's fun to watch. Um so I was
1: trying to find songs that mm-hmm. we could use to finish the podcast with mm-hmm. and I looked up to see if Post Malone had any Christmas songs mm-hmm. which he does not. But Post Malone or Home Malone mm-hmm. was a thing for like a year. So you can get Home Malone sweaters <laughs> where it's like a, it's basically the cover of Home Alone, but it's yeah. Post Malone in the in Macaulay Colton's
0: place. And I I kind of feel like I need one. I we might need it. <laughs> OK, let's uh, let's talk about a movie here. Let's talk about a movie. Let me pull up the synopsis here. Everyone everyone's seen Home Alone. Everybody. I don't I don't see okay I'm just going I'm just going to say the synopsis because I always say the synopsis mm-hmm. Um an 8-year-old troublemaker must protect his house from a pair of burglars when he is accidentally left home alone by his family during a Christmas vacation If you haven't seen this movie I don't know if I've ever met anyone that hasn't seen this movie Like you know like you 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 think of movies that like like Spider-Man like if I said you haven't seen Spider-Man and someone's like yeah I haven't seen Spider-Man I was like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard like mm-hmm. everyone has seen Home Alone What are you pulling up here? I'm
1: just pulling it up. I'm pulling it up on IMDb. So okay. I, so I have people's names. Um, For sure. Just because I'm an idiot. Um, so so Chris Columbus directed John Hughes written. Mm-hmm. And this was... I won't, It's not one of the last movies John Hughes wrote because John Hughes passed away in like 2000. This movie came out in 1990. Um, but incredible movie from top to bottom. Like the casting, again, we talk about casting like being perfect. Uh, this has the perfect casting. The only like, the only like down person I have where it just it they felt like their stuff wasn't as good was John Hurd, who plays the dad. Mm-hmm. Like he just doesn't like feel as into it as some of the others do. Mm-hmm. But like from Macaulay Culkin and this like being in the early to like, um like his rise, Catherine Catherine Keener, um, Catherine O'Hara. Sorry, yep, Catherine O'Hara. Um, incredible. Like she is, she is such a good part of this movie. Um. But just top to bottom, top to bottom, it's a great, great movie. And there's just
0: there's so much we could talk about with this. There, it, it, yeah, exactly. Like the, you said, the perfect cast. Mm-hmm. You had Macaulay Culkin, who is at that time. What is this? 1990. This came out. Macaulay Culkin. I think this is like not his first big movie. I think it was because Uncle my Buck girl was this. my girl was right after this. Um, oh my girl. <laughs> let me. I'm gonna pull up his filmography because I gotta see. I felt like there was something before Home Alone that he was in, that was big. But it's Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck was it?
1: Okay, yeah, I thought so, Uncle Buck was before yeah, this. Yeah,
0: yeah. So Uncle Buck was right before, and then Home Alone hits, and that's when he takes off. So he mm-hmm. goes into My Girl, he goes into into Richie Rich, goes into Home Alone two right away. Like he goes on this just this string of just banging movies in the early nineties, and this yep. kid is on like the top of the world. Right. Like the most famous person in the world was a kid mm-hmm. for five years. Right.
1: And like that's where that's where it's a little disappointing where you see like you saw the fall of Macaulay Culkin where he just got weird for a while and now he's starting to get back to normal, which is good. But Well his
0: parents did not help by any means. No, like, not at all. And also having Michael Jackson as your godfather does not help either. Right. Correct. Yeah, there's some there's some iffiness there.
1: Um but I mean just I think he was he was so perfect for this role yeah you know he you start out in the beginning of the movie and you kind of hate him Mm -hmm. like he's such a terrible kid you know talks shit to his parents i get like not liking your siblings and stuff like that because like hit like kevin McAllister. i'm the youngest of a big family Mm -hmm. so i'm i get where like your family doesn't want to help you do things they make fun of you they tease you and you get pissed off and you do things and i get that side of kevin but he's such a dick to his parents, and I don't feel like, like at that age, I would have never had the balls to talk to my parents no. the way that he talks to his
0: parents. And they just let it happen, right? Like they just brush it off. Which, well, John Hurt's character is just like, ah, oh, fuck it, whatever. He just doesn't care, right? Like you said, like he's just not into it. And maybe right. I don't know if it's his character, or if it's just his choice to play the character. Mm-hmm. Catherine O'Hara is just like, she knows that he is like going to be a handful, right? And I think she's trying to play like the whole,
1: like. Again, I don't have kids so I don't know parenting techniques or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So don't get me wrong here, but I think she's trying to play like the um let's when she says things like when when they fight, when they, they sent, when she sends him to bed mm-hmm. and he's she's like I bet you won't say that again or I bet you bet you really wish you were sorry. And he she's trying to play the like teach him a lesson by mm-hmm. letting something happen kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um or by like Instead of yelling and just screaming at him, she's trying to make him learn something, um, and I think I, th- I think she played a great part in this movie where she was extremely sincere. She was very well cast, uh, just playing the, like I said, the sincere mom, but also like being tough and being mm-hmm. like a parent of five kids, and. But also having some comedic some comedic moments because she's funny.
0: She is. She she was part of the Canadian um, sketch team uh, SCTV. So like okay. her, John Candy, Eugene Levy, okay, um, all come from the roots of this um, Canadian. It's like it was like SNL for Canada. Okay. is what it was. Okay, and that's where she that's where a lot of these people originated from. So for she sure. is so funny. Yeah. But she gets to play a out of character person per se for herself mm-hmm. right. because she's like the the, the stricter parent. Like, she's, like, the more frantic person. Like, mm-hmm. she, yeah, she does have a couple of funny moments in the movie, but she's more, like, the worried some. Yeah. Which I don't blame. And that's great. That's And that's her awesome. funny
1: moments more or less come from when her and John Candy are playing off each other. Oh, God. That's great. Like, the part where they wake up and find out that there's no, you know, they're, they're late for the shuttles mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, that's kind of funny. But her, her, com, her comedic moments come from when she's trying to get tickets home, mm-hmm. and then she meets John Candy. Mm-hmm. And then of course John Candy steals the show for his two scenes he's in.
0: It's five minutes that he's in this movie. He just steals the whole movie. I love it. I love John Candy. I wish he would have been a bigger part of this movie, but at the same time It was kind of perfect because he didn't overtake it. Yeah, but I like John Candy a lot. Yeah, I know. He might be okay, this is I don't know if I've said this. This is my hot take. John Candy is my favorite fat man. I think John Candy was funnier than Chris Farley. That's fair. That's very fair. I was looking to get you to bite.
1: I I would still go for Chris Farley, uh, just because I watched Farley when I was younger. John Candy passed away before I was born. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, the first John Candy movie I watched was actually Cool Runnings, because we watched it in school. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't watch Home Alone completely for the first time until I was probably 14, 15. Sorry. So... (laughs) So I, I get that and I just didn't get John Candy's humor okay. at points. So I didn't, I didn't find Candy till later, but like I was exposed to Chris Farley young mm-hmm. and I, so that's where Chris Farley has like the pull for me and mm-hmm. being like my favorite fat man. And Chris Farley is like my height, like John Candy's huge. Yeah, she's a large man. Chris Farley's built like I'm built. Right. So like, it's like that little bit of like a, I, maybe I can be funny or maybe <laughs> I can be good kind of thing. So I that's where I'm uh that's where I land on the Chris Farley versus John Candy. Got
0: it. So when I first watched I was born in nineteen ninety, so obviously I was zero years old watching this movie. Like I watched mm-hmm. this movie really young and it really resonated with me because it was funny. I was obsessed with Macaulay Culkin as a kid. Like, Is it because you looked like Macaulay yes, Culkin as a kid? Yes. <laughs> I had the same color hair. Yep. I was built the exact same way. Yep. So I was Macaulay. Like when I would go get my hair cut, my aunt would always cut my hair. And she's like, okay, what do you want for your haircut? I was like, I want the Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> you didn't
1: get the Rachel. You got the Macaulay exactly, Culkin.
0: <laughs> exactly. And And we were talking about this yesterday at my family Christmas that my mom would catch me in the bathroom and I would be doing the, you know, slap my face to go, ah, because yep. I, the shit's funny. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's, it is what, and now my nephew does it because my nephew <laughs> looks like me yep. from that age and right. now looks like Macaulay Culkin. For sure. Except I didn't grow up to be a crack addict. <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> well, you don't have the money for crack. That's fair. But That's fair. Yeah, I, so, I mean, getting back to the movie a little bit and just, so let's start with, like, the beginning of the movie obviously, like the movie starts out in chaos. Yep, I would say. I mean, like, you have Joe Pesci trying to find parents. Nobody's like, That's the thing I found weird with the family is like, there's a cop standing in your living room trying to get your parents. You don't immediately go get your parents, you're like, Well, they're here somewhere.
0: Yeah, there's like, ah, they're walking around.
1: Like, he's trying to obviously, you're setting up for Joe Pesci, like, trying to. He's going to be a burglar. He's trying to get info on the houses and stuff like that, on who they can rob, who they can't, and stuff like that. But if you don't, you know, going into this, if you don't know that, you just think he's a cop. And, like, if with the family, who doesn't just, like, go find their parents? Yeah, there's a cop here. There's a police officer at our door. So right. they're looking for parents. Um, It just, it was weird that nobody, like, did anything for it. But the entire house is in chaos. um, And just trying to... Trying to get it all together. And that felt like... That feels like my family get-togethers. Where it's just like... There's moments where you sit down and look at it. And just... It's it's a chaos. Mm-hmm. Nobody's nobody's calm. Nobody's sitting down. Everybody's moving and loud. And you just want it to be quiet. And, and obviously that's what Kevin gets the next day. When he wakes up. But from the beginning you kind of knew... You kind of feel like that... Uh, for me anyway, again. Just coming from a big family. You can, you can feel where Kevin comes from Mm -hmm. being the forgotten child, be feeling like nobody cares about him, feeling like he doesn't get um, treated as well as the other, his siblings and stuff like that.
0: For sure. I, the beginning of the movie, like you said, is just absolute chaos. What I can't figure out is like, I get that it's probably Christmas that are all there for Christmas, but it feels like they, they, they're always there. Like the way that Mm -hmm. like Kevin talks about his family, it it sounds like it's always that packed in there. Right. Why the hell are they always there? Like, right. I understand like the like the brother is probably trying to mooch off of Kevin's dad because he's well he be-
1: certainly is because he doesn't pay for anything. Right. His the uncle is terrible in this movie. Awful. Awesome. Like he's a shitty person. He's a villain. He's a he is like the antagonist. If there's like an antagonist in this movie, it's the uncle's a big driver of it because. The mom mentions it where, like, if your uncle won't let you talk about this movie, it's probably not a really good movie to watch because he, mm-hmm. like, just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. It's the guy who, you know, he he is calling Kevin, he's calling Kevin names. You what know? you did, you little jerk. Right. Like, what kind of uncle talks to a five-year-old like that? Right. Just or like... a six-year-old, you know, however old he's supposed to be. Like, there's nobody who would talk to their their nieces and nephews like that. And right. he's just, like, built, like, a terrible character.
0: Right. Well, that's also where Kevin's dad is kind of like a simp because he doesn't do anything about it. Right. He just is like, oh fuck it, like, right. Whatever. Like he'll grow, he'll grow up to be whatever. Like he just, I, I didn't like the dad. Right.
1: You know. Yeah, the dad was tough, um, and like the part where Kevin's like, oh, I was in the, in the garage making ornaments. And it's like, oh, he he goes like he goes, kind of like stereotypical like oh dad of the '90s thing where it's mm-hmm. like, instead of being like. Instead of the instead of him saying, "Oh, that's really nice. You were making ornaments." He's like, "With my new fish hooks,
0: which fish hooks are cheap. So get over it." Yeah, exactly. No, that's good. Um, the siblings are also just dicks, like Buzz. Yeah, um, just just mean. Obviously, right. messing with him at the Christmas pageant. That or the Christmas page. Yeah, not the pageant.
1: The Christmas. Um, the Christmas dinner. The program. Like, yeah, because I they, think the singing- pageant's in too.
0: Oh shit, you're right. I I I messed up yeah, It's right. when it's they're it's when to. they're eating pizza
1: yep. and and Spill. Buzz is like if if you want the cheese pizza, you're going to somebody's going to have to barf it up and then he pretends to puke and Kevin gets pissed at him and pushes him into the counter and then milk yep. spills
0: and But okay, that that also weirds me out because Kevin's a small kid and Buzz yep. is a big dude. Yep. He gets pushed around pretty easily. Yeah, but if you're not
1: expecting to go and get hit like that, like, you're not expecting somebody to come and just. That push kid's you like the way 60 pounds. I know. And Kevin's huge.
0: Buzz was big. Yeah. Buzz was big. Excuse me. Buzz was big. Kevin was tiny. I, I, I love when Kevin's going through. This might be jumping the gun here, but Kevin's going through Buzz's stuff because he's mm-hmm. looking like, for firecrackers and stuff. And he sees yep. Buzz's stuff. We'll,
1: we'll get to it. <laughs> Save <laughs> just, it. I'm we'll sorry. get to it's it. It's just so fucking good. We'll get to it. Um. So I mean, and that's that's all building up. I mean, everything yep. is is the build up to see, um, to see Kevin getting his wish of being home, mm-hmm. because after the after the dinner fight, and everything breaks out. The other thing is like he pushes Kevin, Kevin pushes Buzz, a little bit of milk spills, and everybody acts like he just shot it, like crying just, over spilt milk. Exactly. That was good. Sorry. (laughs) Um, But he just, they act like he just, like, just stabbed him with a knife. Yeah. He pushed him and knocked over a little bit of milk. Correct. Like, everybody gets up, and again, chaos ensues. Everybody was finally calm. It was a little quiet. Chaos ensues again because Kevin did one thing. Mm -hmm. And that's where, like, again, as the youngest, you side with Kevin a little bit. It's like he finally got bullied to the point of I'm going to do something about it, and when he does, He he gets in trouble. Yeah. And then that leads to the fight, that leads to the argument with him and his mom, where she sends him up to the third floor attic, bedroom, because this is a giant fucking house and they have a third floor and it's an attic, bedroom, and uh, she sends him up there and he tell they get in an argument and he wishes that he didn't have a family and he Mm -hmm. wishes they all be gone and everything like that, Um, and like him and his mom, like that's where they're, that's where they're like disconnection starts or that's where their like fighting really gets into it Mm -hmm. is because he doesn't feel like his mom parents care about him his parents feel like he's just overreacting there's that um there's that infighting there and then he goes to bed mad Mm -hmm. and then obviously the next morning they wake up they're late for their airport shuttles they do a head count his oldest cousin because i don't know whose fucking kids those are yeah that one that, i don't the, know if the that's the family like, dynamics a little convoluted to me w- because odd, yeah. because there's so there's kevin's family mm-hmm. the McAllisters, his uncle and their son kieran who's or their son who's fuller, played by fuller kieran who's Culkin. played by kieran colgan sorry um so you have those three and then you have like an additional like three kids mm-hmm. who don't belong to their dad maybe they're flying them back to paris not a clue, no idea. But it it just they're adding extra people to again add to the chaos of mm-hmm. the situation.
0: I want to bring up the when the when the shuttle or is it the shuttle or the pizza guy or is it both that they just keep hitting that little statue in front of the house. All of them, it's everybody does. Such Whenever a funny somebody bit. pulls up to the house, they hit that
1: statue it's, of like it's such a what dumb looks like bitch. a jockey holding yeah. a lamp.
0: Yeah, it's such a dumb bit, but it's almost like ingrained in pop culture now. Right, it's so funny. Right, it's so dumb, but it's so funny. Right. I don't know why. It, it that's the thing about John Hughes is that he writes these memorable, really memorable characters. He's very mm-hmm. good at writing youth characters. Really good at writing um, family-oriented stuff. But he right. also is really good at like putting in just random crap like that. Yep. and that's just like one of the funniest bits to me for yeah. some reason. Just
1: like the little like repetitive. It's like when we talk about. Um, it's like when we talk about. Uh, Wet Hot American Summer and anytime something <laughs> gets thrown off screen at break you hear a pot break yeah. That's it's that scene it's, it's that exact it's so exactly. great so yeah incredible um, so yeah they wake up the next morning they're late for their shuttle um, they're and what again older cousin I think is doing a head count and she does it right except she counts the neighbor kid who's Kevin's size Who just because he's sitting there just, jabbering yeah. along with the parents of the or with the chival- the shuttle drivers mm-hmm Um, and that's how Kevin gets left home alone, home alone, (laughs) title card, card. (laughs) um, so I guess jumping to the next part then is Kevin finding out that he's home by himself. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to be seven, seven or he's supposed to be eight. I think eight year old. Yep. Yep. So he's eight years old. He's left alone. Can't find his family. He thinks his Christmas wish comes true. That his family no longer exists. Mm-hmm. And he just goes around the house doing everything. Yep. And one of the first things he does is he breaks into Buzz's uh, stash, mm-hmm. his treasure chest. Yep. And that's where he finds the firecrackers
0: and the playboy and his girlfriend. Buzz's girlfriend. Woof. <laughs> that's, again, another just great bit mm-hmm. that's just so in pop culture. So quotable. So quotable is correct, yes such a great bit and that the it it's funny it's funnier knowing that you're not being mean because that's a boy dressed up in a wig like yeah it's a guy dressed up as a girl so like because you're you know I'm supposed to think it's so ugly yeah so it, it, it's not it's not mean-spirited then yes
1: so for those of you wondering about that um so there is a so if you guys if you're into any like documentaries or anything mm. there's something on Netflix called the movies that made us and they do a 45 minute doc on the making of Home Alone and they talk about how they didn't feel comfortable like having a little girl dressed up um and like basically being called ugly on screen mm-hmm. it would have you know demoralized oh, her yeah, and stuff like awful. that so it's one of the art director's sons that they put a blonde <laughs> wig on a shirt and some pearls and <laughs> take a picture of and that is Buzz's girl.
0: And it just made
1: one of the best moments of the movie. Right. Um but yeah, if you guys ever have the chance like if we could talk about set of this movie yeah. and the fact that they built. So, little tidbit for everybody listening is: so the house is obviously the house is immaculate. The house is just like this beautiful uh, setup, and the house is only shot. The only like the only time they actually shoot the house itself is on exterior shots. It's when, um, it's when something else is. Anytime something inside is happening, it's being done on a set inside of an old school in the Chicago area. So the scenes where... Um, the scenes, anything inside that's all set design, it's not in the actual house itself. Anytime there is something where Kevin is... Um, you know, Anything outside of the house is shot in Chicago, and that's on location. The house itself is, for the most part, unseen. Um, even the part where they... Because the bandits are the wet bandits, you see them uh, flooding a house, and part of the flooding of the house, um, again, just interesting tidbit, is that is shot in the school, and what they did is they took the, the set and they built it in the swimming pool at the school, and when that swimming pool, what they did then is when they flooded it, all they had to do was flood it into the swimming pool. So it's just, like, this incredible de- use of, uh, of design and this incredible use of the um, – just John Hughes have doing – or not John Hughes, but Chris, Chris Columbus, Columbus doing enough. what he needed to, to to really take advantage of the setting
0: and the area and use those props that he wanted. No, it, it was a cool – it's a great documentary to be able yeah. to see how they did everything, and that was just, just really neat because, yeah, build, that house is huge, so just being able to build, like – to build the sets like that to make it feel more expansive than it is right that's cool
1: because i mean it would have been such tight corners and obviously you don't want to destroy a house because right you know obviously you you lay tar on all the basement steps and you're gonna have a lot of shit happening to this house if you actually shoot inside of it that you don't want to happen so you have that um do i want to say you have just the you have the option of of going overboard when you have a set that you build, and I'm fairly certain though the set is pretty accurate to what the inside of the house actually is. Yeah,
0: they did it really well. Um,
1: let's talk about the Wet Bandits. Let's talk about the Wet Bandits. You get you get your introduction to them in the second act, um, after again Joe Pesci who uh, was the cop. He, him and his partner are out surveying all the houses at night. Um, and trying to see like what houses they're gonna hit, what times they're gonna hit, knowing that everything's on like automatic lights and everything like that.
0: Yeah, that's cool because they like it has a great just setup scene when they're like doing the like you know Joe Pesci's pointing out and he like cues the lights at one house and he cues the lights on another house and then mm-hmm. they get to the McAllister house, and they're really confused because they thought like, oh, I thought they went to Paris. So like, right. oh. like they'll be gone by the morning. Like, right um kevin just plays it perfectly because he you know, flips on the switches mm-hmm. uh i don't know if it's that at part of the second act or if it's later when he does like the the fake party scene he
1: does that later after they assume that they're gone
0: yeah yeah that was good yeah. It's a good scene
1: yep um so the wet band is i think um obviously are are such a big part of this movie mm-hmm. um joe pesci was great i again in this documentary that we watched the um how the or movies that made us? They talk about Joe Pesci having a really hard time not swearing.
0: <laughs> You've um, never seen Joe Pesci in any other movie. The word "fuck" is thrown
1: around about three hundred times, a yeah. lot. So he had a really time. He had a really hard time not swearing, and they talk about how he like he basically goes into this like um, yeah he goes into this like uh, Yosemite Sam type yep. talking where he's like he's murmuring curse words and things to about the kid. Um or about like what's going on because he can't not swear. Yep. And that becomes a really nice like tie-in for him and kind of a nice a nice point for the movie. Marv is fucking hilarious. I in this love movie. Daniel Stern in this movie. He is the perfect like again, we talk about perfect cast all the time and yep. I don't I can't think of anybody who played this better. They almost didn't get him. Yeah. Um and like cuz he was I think he was shooting slick city slickers or he was <laughs> Finishing up City Slickers really like really tight to when this movie was starting, so they almost didn't have him. But again, I just I couldn't imagine this movie without him.
0: Yeah, no, they play each other. They play off each other so well. Like mm-hmm. you know, Joe Pesci the small tough guy. Yeah, and Marv is the tall, the like, tall like bumbling. Well, yeah, the idiot. bumbling idiot. Like you know, like the the schemer. Like all right. this, you know, like oh, this will work. This is like you know, and right. of course he calls you know. Well, he had they have to have the name of the wet bandits. So right. what he does is he clogs the sinks and turns them all on. Right because he's got to leave a calling card you know exactly and
1: i what i find funny is like the so when kevin finds himself home alone like he doesn't freak out Mm -hmm. but like for a kid who couldn't pack his own suitcase he suddenly knows how to take care of himself like yeah it's kind of odd
0: like and that might be like like a joke because he like does the laundry he goes to the store he's Mm -hmm. like oh i have a coupon for that right exactly it's kind of like yeah but it's weird like it kind of transitions like it's not a natural transition of him,
1: right? There's like, there's way too much growth in a short amount of time. Yeah,
0: which it, it's funny. Yeah, but if we're gonna nitpick it, yeah, that's what it is.
1: Right, and again, part of those things are funny. He goes to the he goes to the store because he needs a new toothbrush, and he may, he wants to make sure that it's approved by the American Dental Association. <laughs> that's so, I
0: forgot about that part. <laughs>
1: well and that creates him like ru- that creates one of like the better like runaway scenes in the mm-hmm. movie because he he sees his neighbor who buzz convinces him is a murderer mm-hmm. um he sees his neighbor coming to the drugstore and he freaks out and runs away without paying for the toothbrush mm-hmm. and then the security guard decides he's gonna try and run down a seven year old who runs away with a toothbrush yep um and that's where you know he gets into all this stuff where he runs through the
0: park and the skating rink and everything like that it's a like, it's a great scene just because like the the like the him like sliding through the ice, going whoo! Mm-hmm. You know, through the legs again. Like yeah. it just—it's just a great pop culture piece. Is what right. I keep talking. Like this movie is like every second of this movie is is just perfect. Right as far as like pop culture goes. Right. Like,
1: I mean, if you talk to anybody who's born in like let's say 1985 and later, mm-hmm. if you ask him like essential Christmas movies, I would say 85 to like 90. Ninety eight. Yep. You ask them a cr- essential Christmas movies, and they're always gonna say Home Alone's on the list.
0: I still think that, like, if you ask, I th- I think if you still ask somebody today, like, what is the, I, what what would we can we can talk about it in a minute here after we're done about the movie, but think about it, just start like racking your brain, like, what's the most essential Christmas movie? For sure. But so then we finally get into the the wet band is trying to get in into the house, you know, they're trying to work around it. And that's when Kevin starts going full on, like psychopath and mm-hmm. starts creating the booby traps and everything.
1: Right. Well, and I think he, he recognizes him earlier because they're following him uh-huh. because they, because Joe Pesci recognizes him and he can't pick it out. So they follow him to his house. And when he stops to talk to him, he recognizes the gold tooth, yes, yes, which, yes. which is like his tell of like, Oh, this is the cop from earlier. Um, so that's, like, that's Kevin's tell of, like, okay, I need to, like, I need to save my house. Mm-hmm. And before we get into that real quick, we'll get into it, but I want to talk about the neighbor. So the yep. neighbor is one of the best characters in this movie for me. Kay. Like, the, the surrounding of, like, Buzz telling him, like, lying to Kevin and telling him how he's, like, a murderer and stuff like that. And... um and then his just he he has one of the better arcs for me where like Kevin is just terrified for by him the entire time. All he does is he exists, yep. And Kevin is terrified by him, um, leading up to that scene where he runs away from him in the drugstore, um, and then later you see him when they're at the church. Mm-hmm. So just keep an eye on, obviously, keep in mind of like the the neighbor, because um, he's he's one of the best points in this movie yeah. for me, eventually um but with the wet bandits um you know again that's where they find out that they think nobody's home they find out somebody is home and that's when kevin starts like again he goes into like his i'm going to build booby traps i'm going to do this to really um tie into him you know saving his house and that's when the party scene happens mm-hmm. and he has uh, he starts blasting Christmas music. He has all the dummies and the mannequins and stuff like that that he's running around. The Michael Jordan on a train set that's walking across. That's supposed to be walking across the living room. Yep. Awesome scene. Great scene. Love that scene. He's sitting there jamming out to Jingle Bell Rock while yep. he has ropes all over him and he's supposed to be pulling on the the mannequins and pulleys and everything like that. Which again, no way an eight-year-old knows how to figure out. Correct. Yeah, it's doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, but then. You go a little bit farther and Kevin starts missing his family a little bit. Mm-hmm. You see him, you know, go. he goes to find Santa to, to see if he can bring his family back. He goes to, um, he starts decorating the house for Christmas because he wants it to feel more like their home for Christmas. And that's when he goes out to cut down a tree and the wet bandits see that he's there by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when they decide they're going to strike. And that's when you get into the shenanigans <laughs> of the getting to everything going on in the house.
0: So what's your favorite booby trap that was in the house? Ooh. Like if you had to pick one booby trap that you thought was like the the best, most creative, just all around the best one. I got to say the, the
1: flamethrower. That was good. uh, The flamethrower. When Joe Pesci opens the door and burns his skull. That's
0: good. Yeah. Yours. I want to say it's that. Like that was just so funny to mm-hmm. me. The uh, paint
1: cans is simple but it's hilarious. The paint
0: cans is simple but hilarious. I really enjoyed the uh the firecrackers in the kettle. Yeah. When they thought they were getting shot at. Yep. And even something as simple as like again,
1: Kevin and Kevin starts doing like these kind of traps and things like that to like not tell people he's to not let people know he's home by himself earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like when he gets a pizza delivered for himself and he has the movie playing. So yep. you kinda start seeing that a little earlier too um he also uses the same video when marv is trying to um marv is trying to peek into the house and see if somebody's there so he starts playing it Mm -hmm. so that he hears people talking so it throws them off earlier so he starts this early like he starts the trickery and he starts like the the traps and stuff like that earlier in the movie Mm -hmm. um and then he just builds into it
0: yeah no, it's great. I oh, there's not a bad booby trap in the mix. Like they're all funny. They're all creative. I really enjoyed. Is the, there
1: one that hurts you the most? Like you watch it and you just groan.
0: I'd probably say it's either the 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 door handle. Okay. Because he burnt like literally gets like the the McAllister M on it and, and it burned into his hand. Or it's the nail in the foot.
1: The nail in the foot is the that one, one that, that I that watched. One sucks. When I rewatched it uh, for this, I was like, oh, yeah, especially because his foot's covered in tar. Yep. So you think about like the infection that he's gonna get and everything like that is on top of it. But just like you can, I could just, it hurt to watch. Yeah. It hurt to watch him get that nail in his foot. For um, sure. so one big part of this movie that we're not talking about because we're talking a lot on Kevin, um, is his family. So his family travels to Paris. They're on the flight um they're on their way there and that's when they realize that kevin's gone Mm -hmm. kevin's not there they forgot because the kids basically like i don't i've never flown internationally and i've never flown when you're almost late for your flight but like to for the stewardess to be like oh sit wherever you need kids in coach parents first class sit where you need and um their individual seats so they can't even keep an eye on them or anything like that and that's Mm -hmm. when they on the flight is when they realize they forgot kevin So they get to Paris, and his mom decides that she needs to turn around. Mm -hmm. Uh, They go to – or needs to figure something out. So they go to his brother's apartment because his brother lives in Paris, and that's why they're all going there. And they they decide, or at least his mom decides, that she has to go get Kevin. Like she needs to turn around and go home. Mm -hmm. And that's where, again, the dad's like, well – You know, we'll call and we'll see if the neighbors can watch him and stuff like that. And, again, just being that, like, a little less cavalier. He's more cavalier about the situation. He's not, like, going into it just, like, freaking out that his kid's missing. But I thought thought that, like, the scene where his mom's trying to figure out how to get home, where she's willing to trade everything she has on her, physically on her, to get home. And then, like, the part, and then... You know, she finally gets a flight out of Paris, and then she's in Dallas, and she's trying to, like, connect from airport to airport to airport. Mm-hmm. And I think she's in, like, I think she was in Scranton, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. was the last airport she's at where she
0: meets John Candy. And at that point, just take a rental car. Yeah. I don't know why. I think she was just so frantic, though, that she couldn't think about it. or Because, mm-hmm. yeah, like, why wouldn't you just figure that figure that part out? But, not, right. but instead, she found the polka king of Chicago. Mm-hmm. God damn it, that's such a great bid. Love it. Uh, he just keeps naming songs. poka poka poka. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is so good. Oh, excuse me. Oh, sorry, I had to burp there. That was bad. <laughs> so I want to talk about the, the score of the movie. Okay. Because this is like up there as far as like essential movie scores. Okay. I, don't yeah. You, don't you think like John Williams like... Yeah, I mean...
1: I mean, anytime John Williams, John Williams gets himself involved in a movie, it's
0: going to be incredible. Um, so you don't, like, I was thinking about this earlier, like, as far as, like, John Williams scores, so mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, Jaws, mm-hmm. Star Wars, yep. Home Alone, like, where does Home Alone rank for you as far as, like... I
1: would definitely put it, if I were to rank it, I'm trying to think of all the John Williams stuff that he does, Home Alone's not... I don't think it's top 5 for me. Really? For, John, for for John Williams stuff, I think it goes Star Wars, okay. Jaws, Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. Superman, okay. Maybe Home Alone after that. Man, that's that's tough. It's so good. It's like it's just but I mean you're trying I don't get me wrong, it's a great soundtrack. So I'm not arguing with like the music in it, but It's just to me, again, this is a movie that I watched later. Mm -hmm. So I listened to more. I saw Jaws when I was younger than when I saw Home Alone. I saw Star Wars. I saw everything prior to. And Mm -hmm. like those stick out to me more because I dive into that, like those movies and those like realms, if you want to say, more often than I dive into Home Alone watching it once a year.
0: Okay. I get that. I would say for sure, Star Wars is number one. Yeah. Just because of the vastness of like how much he did, like you know, Darth Vader's, Darth Vader's walk. Just the the whole the whole soundtrack in itself is just perfect. Mm-hmm. I'd probably say Home Alone's in my top three. Okay. I don't know why. I just the, it the, it's just so good to me. I guess that's. I yeah. just wanted to talk about that first second because John Williams. I I don't know how they got him to do this. Right. How because this was not a big budget movie. No.
1: It was low budget. It was a small project. Like there was no like, there was no expectation of this movie being as big as it was. Right. It was something that John Hughes wasn't even going to direct. He wrote it, and he's like, "Well, I got other stuff I can
0: work on, so I'm going to do that instead." Which yeah, it's it's like that's like the, the passing the buck almost. Right. Not the uncle buck, but passing the buck. Wow. Thank you. Wolf. (laughs) Wolf. Okay, so now we can just talk about the last, the last bit, just the, the third act of the movie. Right. So. so that's kind of where all the action takes place obviously
1: getting more into the um what's going on in the house with Kevin defending it um so we talked about a little bit already like our favorite um our favorite booby traps that he sets up and uh, what else did we mention the ones that hurt us the most I mean is there right like with those two I mean what else what else can you really say about the the two like the bandits while they're going through all this. Cause obviously like this is more pain than a
0: human should endure. So why do they keep going back? Do you think I that's what I'm trying to figure out too, is like, what is so like, they, they already raided these other houses. Mm-hmm. What they like, there's not like a, they never like set that up in the movie. I was like, why? Like the, I get the McAllister's have a lot of money and they have a lot of stuff, right. but like you normally like in a movie, like someone would be like, there's a, a Ruby in the safe that we right. have to get after. Like they never established like, why they can like why they have to do this house right? Like why I think the only thing they
1: really talk about at all is just the fact that this is like they mentioned like this is the mother load. This house is the house that has everything between stereos and sound systems. and this because of I'm assuming because of the size of the family and everything, this is the house to go after like of all the houses on the block that they're rating, this is the one. Mm-hmm. so i'm I don't know if it's like a it's so worth it because of everything that's in the house. I don't know if it's just a, we can't get beat by an eight year old Mm -hmm. kind of thing because he sets it up earlier where when they see Kevin carrying in the tree, he's like, we're getting swindled by a kindergartner is how Joe Pesci says it. Right. Right. So like, if it's just like a pride thing of like, they have to, they can't get beat by this kid. And I think that's I think that becomes maybe their ultimate drive mm-hmm. of like
0: they just they have to do it they just like they just like this kid has just been too much for them they have to like they they have to finish what they started right yeah no I get that um and like there's just that one scene where like Joe Pesci finally like gets a hold of Kevin mm-hmm. and like basically like puts him on a hook in the kitchen yep and that's actually kind of scary like, yeah it's a little little excessive Joe Pesci. <laughs> A little excessive. And then the neighbor comes in and whacks him with the, with the shovel on the back of the head. And right. And that's,
1: him. that's the third, the act third act is definitely where like you get the biggest redemption arc for that character. Because again, in first two acts, he says nothing. And in that third part of the movie, that's when he meets Kevin at the church mm-hmm. Um, before Kevin needs to get home to save the house. He's tells his story and kind of bears what he is and, or who he is, I should say. And you just get that, you get that bigger, better picture of, of that character. Mm -hmm. And then he, like you said, he comes in and saves Kevin, uh, from basically getting
0: killed or, you know, whatever else they would have done with him. Right. Well, I mean, I think they just literally threatened to kill him because it's like, right. I mean, if I, if I set somebody on fire, I feel like someone would want to kill me too. (laughs) For sure. That's fair. I don't know. But then I, then, you know, obviously the, the cops take the take the wet bandits away, and then we get the nice scene of Catherine O'Hara finally getting home for Christmas. The next morning, yeah. You know, Kevin wakes up, and it's it's Christmas Day, I, th- I believe, yep. and she makes it home. And it, Like you said earlier, like, John Heard, the dad character, nowhere to be seen, mm-hmm. no fucks given. Yeah. He's
1: just, they're all in Paris, but they're worried. They're waiting for that flight the next morning.
0: Yeah. Where Catherine O'Hara, like, did anything and everything she could to get back home, and right. we have the nice touching moment, and they hug, and... Mm-hmm. And then they it is a little bit of comedy to it
1: where um it is the comedy the comedic moment of that scene where they get home, and then the next thing you notice the rest of the family's home, mm-hmm. everybody else is home too, you know, so they don't have like a you know it's a little funny where it's like, well, we just got the flight that we got the you know we went on the flight the next morning that we were gonna go on mm-hmm. so they don't really have that like that huge moment of um. Like, they
0: get back a week later or something like that. It's literally minutes. Right. Yeah, it does make sense there. But, uh, yeah, that's essentially Home Alone. Right. What uh, You have Cheers and Jeers? Yeah, let's get into some Cheers and Jeers. Uh, so, first
1: off, I have John Candy. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, small scenes, He, but he's absolutely takes, takes control of every single scene he's in. Um, he's an essential part of the movie. He's such a good, like the part where they're in the back of the U-Haul driving from like Scranton to Chicago. And, um, when they're driving from place to place and they're, she's, she's talking about how bad of a mother she is and mm-hmm. how she forgot Kevin. And he's sitting there and he goes through all like the people in his band. And it's like, well, he's never even met his kids. He's, you know, his kids, uh, you know, has issues and stuff like that. And he's like, he talks about how he left his own kid in a morgue and he goes <laughs> on like this little bit of a rant about like, yeah, he was in there in the more in the whatever for funeral parlor for like eight hours with a dead body, and he's like, he'll get over it, <laughs> you know, he'll he'll get there. Kids are resilient that way. Like he just does right, this right. whole thing about how um, his kids will his kid will be fine, even though he left him in a, right. a funeral parlor by himself. It's casual. Just he's and that's all ad libbing. I mean, that's right. just that was the beauty of John Candy, um, is he can go through and do all that without having like this
0: this like scripted part he just does it and it's always mm-hmm. funny. No, I would say John Candy is my, one of my cheers as well. Mm-hmm. Um everything you touched on just he just makes this movie a little bit lighter. Like obviously the movie is pretty lighthearted as it is anyways, but he mm-hmm. just he 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 just brings that that moment there and that's just that's super nice. For sure. Um another one of my cheers is just the soundtrack. Again, I talked about the soundtrack being one of my favorites. The music is great. Mm-hmm. Just everything about it, it's good. The mu- like, the, the, and, the, and just the good Christmas songs that go along with it too. Are, yeah. They played everything really well. So the, the yeah. music and the soundtrack,
1: is for good. sure, that's good. Uh, my next one is, I'd say, the scene where Kevin watches his neighbor reconnect with his son. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you just you get a little bit of that that neighbor's story arc and where he is and who he who he is and what's happened in his life and why he seems so angry and sad and stuff like that. And you get that. You know, you just get that really good tie-in for him, and him getting to see his family after you know not having seen his son for years and stuff like that. Um, it was a, it's one of the all-time Christmas movie scenes, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely, that's good. What's your last one? My last
1: one is going to be uh, Kevin. Just in general, he gets a little nice redemption arc because, like we talked about at the beginning of the movie, he's kind of a pile of shit. Uh-huh. Um, just he's whiny, he's angry, talks docks down to his parents, and. He's just terrible in the first part of the movie and then he realizes that he's not um you know he's just not what he what he he's not what he thought he was when everybody leaves and he mm-hmm. begins to miss them and um you get that nice little connection scene with him and
0: Catherine O'Hara um so I just liked Kevin's little redemption arc through the movie absolutely uh, my last one is just how well the movie's held up over the years. Mm-hmm. Like, this movie was made in 1990. It doesn't feel that dated, though. Like, right. Besides it, a couple of, like, the flight things and, like, a couple other things there, it doesn't truly feel that dated. Like, it still holds up decently well as as a Christmas movie and just as a movie mm-hmm. in general. So I I applaud that because sometimes holiday movies can feel dated or they can feel, like, like you said, you watch it once a year. I feel like I could watch Home Alone more than once a year and mm-hmm. be fine with it. For like, sure. It's not, like, it's not held Right. D- uh, down to just one thing yep and that's where like they didn't really rely a lot of like
1: the the storytelling for the time like mm-hmm. they didn't use a lot of like the technology at the time and mm-hmm. like early flip phones and cell phones yeah and yeah yeah like that. it's just, like it's just stuff you would see in everyday life even now yeah no so what, I do you have? I what do you like that what do you got for jeers uh so my first one is we talked about a little bit how kevin goes from not knowing how to pack a suitcase to being able to completely take care of himself to the point of like going grocery shopping and having a coupon and stuff like that. And doing laundry and everything like he just, he goes from knowing nothing to being able to take care of himself.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to say just the dad mm-hmm. just sucks. Yep. He sucks. Fair. Dad in this movie is not great. Not a good dad. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Um, my other jeers, man,
1: this is tough in the vein of the dad. My other jeer is the uncle. Yeah, just again, I think maybe the uncle was written to be a little bit more comedic, where, for sure. but like, again, what kind of parent, what kind of adult talks to an eight-year-old and calls him a little jerk for making a mess and things like that? And he just he there was nothing like redemptive about the uncle. He was mooching off of his brother, who obviously makes a buttload of money because they live in this enormous house, and he's taking twenty people to Paris. And I still want to know what his dad does for a
0: living. Yeah, it doesn't and all that. like just the, everything about that. It just doesn't make sense yeah. there. So his uncle is one. That's tough. It's a tough scene. Another one for me. Another jeer is just like, why is the cheese pizza so such a hot commodity? Fair enough. Why is cheese pizza such a like cheese pizza is generally for like the youngest kids. Like that's because like, they're you know all the picky eaters. Right. Why is it the first pizza eaten? Yeah, it's fair. That's I'm upset about this. <laughs> like it doesn't make sense. Right, that's fair, and like you said,
1: the cheese—I don't even like unless it unless I have to. Cheese pizza doesn't even yeah appeal to me. The
0: only time I'd, I yeah, there's no reason I would ever choose cheese pizza over any other pizza. Mm-hmm. There's no reason, right? If you don't have toppings, I don't want it. Yeah, get the fuck out of here, get
1: out of here. Uh, and then my my, my last one um, is again just the the whole thing where the mom, the storytelling like chronologically feels a little bit off because. Mm-hmm the mom leaves like the day after they get to paris and kevin like he's ho- it seems it feels like he's home alone for a week mm-hmm. but it's like 2 days yeah it's not that long so like just how that story is told of like him finding out he's home by himself and everything like that and again just the his mom it feels like she left like days before and then of course she gets home and her family gets home from paris literally minutes after she right. she does so it it felt a little weird chronologically, just because you don't have. There's nothing like really telling you
0: set times or days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, there's no. There's no indication of what's how much time has really passed. Right. Um. Man, I'm trying to think of jeers. I don't know. Those are my three. I don't. I I had two. I had one more. I can't remember it now. <laughs> I I think my only jeer. Well, other other than this, so oh, this is kind of making fun of the second movie. So I like the second movie a lot, but it's literally a shot-for-shot shot remake just in a different city. Like right, everything that happens is again like Home Alone two. It, you know how do you do it again? But like everything, like the the pranks, like all that it, – it, get get better. And how this movie has like five sequels? to just makes sense. To
1: mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I won't watch past
0: two. Yeah, I, I I had three as a kid when I grew up. Like I owned
1: it, and that was bad. Also, in 2, the trade-off from the next-door neighbor to the Pigeon Lady, terrible trade-off.
0: Terrible trade-off. Awful. Yeah, Pigeon Lady was weird.
1: Pigeon Lady's weird, and I will always more remember her as the foster caretaker in Angels in the Outfield more than I remember her from Home Alone 2.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So the only reason I remember Home Alone 3, in any sense, is because that's for Scarlett Johansson's first movie. Mm, okay. Or like one of her first movies, like she's super young in that movie.
1: Yeah, that's that makes sense. So, tell me this. Listening. So you probably know better than I do. Is does the kid in Home Alone three have a parrot? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's like does. the
0: only thing I remember from yep. that movie. Yep, he has a parrot because the parrot rides the. It's so dumb. It's such a dumb movie because there he hasn't he uh, somehow he but he gets this RC car. That has a chip in it that's supposed to like set off nuclear bombs. Right. It's so fucked. Uh. It is so fucked. <laughs> yeah, they have a. Maybe parent. that's your
1: jeer. Is just a terrible sequel. Terrible sequels.
0: And there's like a line where like one of the burgos is like, Polly want a cracker?" And he puts like a gun in his face. It, it, it's so bad. <laughs> it is so stupid. Okay, let's talk about some presents. So we yeah. want. We just want to talk about five presents that we really wanted as a kid and never got. Yep. This is us shaming our parents right and like i said
1: i like i talked about the beating part. i i know that i would have either gotten tired of these toys extremely quickly oh yeah they would have broken immediately and i would have been wasted money so kudos to my
0: parents for not getting me these things but at the time devastated yeah so especially like the fur, my first one is furby i would have gotten sick of that bitch in like a week but i wanted one do you remember Furby's? yes yeah i i my friends had a couple of my friends had furbies. I really wanted one um they they were like the hottest toy for sure for that like whatever Christmas Day was like ninety seven yeah. whatever it was I never got one. I was upset still better about it, okay so can I tell
1: you something I saw on the internet recently about Furbies because the internet's a beautiful place, yes, so I can't remember if it's talking about animals in general or just birds, but it's talking about how Animals with eyes on the side of their heads are more, um, they are more or less prey more often because mm-hmm. they need, like, the visual surrounding area to watch out for predators. And then animals with a, eyes on the front of their head are more predators. And then it took a picture of the Furby <laughs> and their <laughs> eyes are just straight up
0: <laughs> front of the face. <laughs> That's so good. What, you, what What's yours? Uh, so my number one is sockem boppers. Oh, that's so. so sockem so inf- boppers. Right. Sockem boppers. That
1: that song itself like brings back memories of my childhood and just wanting those so badly, and like never getting them. But they were an inflatable thing that you put on your hands. Like I said, I would have yep. broken mine immediately because I would have punched too hard, or my brother would have punched something that ends up popping them. Yeah. They weren't good. They didn't last, but I wanted them so bad. They words. were
0: like the, so cool.
1: Right. And like you said that and it might have just been the catchiness of the song. Yeah. Where it's like sock and boppers, sock and boppers and then the, like the last line's like they're more fun than a pillow. Fight. Right, 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 right. Like drove me nuts that I never got
2: them.
0: And they were always on TV. Always on Nickelodeon. Yes, they were. Always and forever. Yep. They were dicks. Speaking of always on Nickelodeon, so my next one is do you remember it was like a subscription service? For like, not, was it wasn't National Geographic, but it was like Zoo, what was the name of the, their magazine, a series of magazines, so it sends you them every month. Okay. And it was like zoo, zoo Animals, and it was like a subscription service, and I was just like, this month is elephants. <laughs> this know. month is tigers. <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. And it was always went. on, and I wanted it so bad. <laughs> but my parents just... just you wanted just... Just a subscription service to get magazines about animals. Yes, yes, it's the (laughs) dumbest thing ever. But holy shit, they were so cool to me. Like I can see, I can literally see the commercial, and like it's a yellow-covered magazine with the animal of the month on Mm -hmm.
1: it. Yep, that's fair. Man,
0: I wanted that bad.
1: Uh, So my number two is Hot Wheel tracks. Mm -hmm. So I had a I had a tote full of Hot Wheels when I was a kid. But I never got the tracks. What I had instead was like that rollout mat that had all the street stuff on it. Everyone had that mat. Yeah. Yeah. I had that instead. And it got me through. I loved playing with it. Don't get me wrong. But never got the Hot Wheel tracks that like launched your car or like did the loop de loops and shit. That's what I wanted so badly in my life as a kid and just never got them. Instead, I just had
0: to have fucking rug burn. So stupid. (laughs) That's good. That was good. Um, my third one. Um, I don't know if you're 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 old enough to remember. It was a game called Crossfire, and I have a picture right here. I'll show you. Okay, so it's a game, and you shoot marbles essentially at each other. <laughs> it's so it's 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 literally the cheapest thing ever made, but it it looks oh, so cool. Yeah. And the commercials, like when they'd shoot the marbles, they'd have like lightning and flames behind them. So like I fully anticipated that every time I shot a marble at one of my buddies, yeah. that lightning was gonna strike. Right, hundred percent.
1: And then they had like the they had all like the things in the middle that would deflect your marble.
0: Yeah, blanket. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the commercial okay. was cool because like it was like uh, <sighs> because they knew how to make commercials. It was, like, for it was kids. like it was like it was like you were in like a gauntlet. So <laughs> it, it was like a crowd of people, like a dark dungeon. A crowd of people watching you play this game in the middle, mm-hmm. and everyone was just like yeah, like you know, like freaking yeah, out, like to the sure. death, right?
1: <sighs> oh, that's good. It. Uh, so bad. Oh, that makes all the sense to me. Uh, My number three was Spider Man web slingers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Never got them. I guarantee that they would have been. My parents would have hated me. Oh, yeah. Giant mess that would never have gotten cleaned up. So I get, again, get why my parents never got me those, but I wanted web slingers so bad because I thought I would have been Spider Man. For sure. And there's nothing funnier to my brain now than (laughs) me as a husky kid being (laughs) Spider Man.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, that's good. Uh, this is a dumb one and I blame my sister for this. So my sister I my sister is six years older than me. that's Mm -hmm. all I have for a sibling. So like when I was born, she obviously wanted a sister, but she got a brother. Well she like put me in dresses and put makeup on me and do you know, I was I was I was her pet. Yep, you know, whatever. Well, she basically inceptioned my brain to tell my parents that I wanted an easy bake oven for Christmas. (laughs) And yes. I never got one. Ugh. And it's like all I wanted was those shitty ass brownies <laughs> that I could make. With a with a with like a twelve volt light bulb.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Exactly. That's good.
1: That's really good. I was pissed. Oh. I like that. I think one of my sisters actually had an easy bake oven.
0: Yeah, like I never I I I did get like okay, the one of the coolest gifts I ever did get, this is kind of coming off topic. One of the coolest gifts I ever did get was those creepy crawly. Mm. ovens yep Yep. so you would so it's like
1: shrinky dinks but they made them for like bugs yeah that was cool
0: so what i would do is yeah like they gave you like different like molds Mm -hmm. so that you pour like the the stuff in there and you bake them and they they'd come out and they're like just yeah they look like genuine like bugs right that was cool i got that i couldn't eat them though that was what fucked about it like (laughs) i really just wanted to again basically the same light bulb it's the exact same light bulb all right. What's your next one?
1: Uh, so my number four is moon shoes. Yeah. Another one constantly <laughs> taking
0: pictures of
1: are constantly shown on Nickelodeon yep. Cartoon Network and moon Disney. Shoes. Moon shoes. seem like the coolest thing in the world and I never got them. And all I wanted was to bounce around <laughs> in these fucking shoes. It would have been incredible.
0: I can see Husky Nathan trying to, <laughs> ch- they don't jump. <laughs> Mom, we need to go back to the store. We need better springs. <laughs> fair. Oh, no, that's, that's funny. Fair. Oh, man, that's funny.
1: What's your number five?
0: My last one would probably... I'm trying to nail down. Because that, that, number five is tough for me. So... <sighs> just i I see moon she's on here i'm looking at a huge list (laughs) because i was trying to remember all this stuff from the from being as a kid i i was always a nintendo kid so like i only ever had super nintendo gamecube n64s forever until i finally Mm -hmm. had my own money and was able to buy like an xbox and buy into that i wanted playstation because i wanted to play like crash bandicoot i wanted to play uh twisted metal i wanted Mm -hmm. to do all that while my parents never bought me one and that's for sure Upsetting. Granted, I had an N64, so I played the, sh- the ass-ton of Blitz. I played an ass-ton of Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. But I never got the PlayStation to be able to do the rest.
1: For sure. Uh, and my number five is the Robo-Raptor. So they had, like... So you remember, like, Robo-Pets and stuff like that? They had a remote-controlled dinosaur. Ooh. So it looked like a... It looked like what you'd imagine, like, a space-age... Like, a space-armored brontosaurus Okay. To look like. Like, white plated um head and stuff like that and so it was like a brontosaurus that basically like i said it just had a um it had a remote control so you mm-hmm. can run around with that so robo raptor <laughs> was one that i wanted again most of my, my entire list came from whatever i saw on nickelodeon and, mm-hmm. and cartoon network well
0: it's all we watched as kids so i mean like they, they knew what they were doing right i don't know my parents were a bit on anything like <laughs>
2: I, know, so. I was never a
1: big, like, list maker. Like, this is what I want for mm-hmm. Christmas, either. So I think if I would have put some of that stuff on the list, they would have been like, okay, maybe. But I was just like, what I get is what I get.
0: Mm-hmm. I was a really bad kid, and the fact that I knew where my parents' hiding spots were for the presents, that I would go, I would hide, I would find them, mm-hmm. look at them, and then, like, you know, that obviously be excited on the Christmas morning. One, I, I, I have to admit this one time. I've only ever done this once, mm-hmm. and I felt super bad about it. But there was a present underneath the tree when I was a kid that was wrapped mm-hmm. that I I had no idea what it was because generally I had a decent idea of what I was going to get because I was a list maker. Yep. I was so like I, I I just needed to know what it was so I took a a, a letter opener and I ever opened so slightly the tape. I, I opened up the tape and just got a peek at the corner and instantly knew what it was mm-hmm. and then taped it back shut. So I'm sorry, <laughs> mom. I was a I was a peeker as well even
1: to this day just brought presents over to my house and I told her she needed to take them home. Cause I would look at all of them before Christmas. Um, and so it got to the point where my parents started, like we have extra rooms up at the church. Yep. So they would put them in a locked room at the nice. church. And then after our Christmas Eve service, yep. we would all like help load presents into the,
0: into the vehicle to take home and put them underneath the tree. That's smart for two reasons. A, because you couldn't get into the locked room and because God was watching. <laughs> oh God was watching. <laughs>
1: But then I then we would get him home, and then my siblings would be like, "Oh, Nathan, Mom and Dad said you could open this one before <laughs> Christmas," and then they'd be like, "Well, Nathan got to open up a present so we can open up presents because we were smart. We our family was strictly you do not open presents until Christmas. Yep. You don't open presents on Christmas Eve in my family. Mm-hmm. So it was a uh, you only." Like I w- we were not allowed to open on Christmas Eve, but we would wake up
0: at five a.m. on Christmas oh, yeah. to
1: open Christmas presents.
0: My sister and I would be up as early as possible on Christmas Day. We would have coffee and everything ready, mm-hmm. so that like as soon as with the, as soon as my mom and I got up, like we're we're opening presents and you you got coffee like here yep. it is. Yep, uh, <laughs> that was their present. That was their present. Do you have <laughs> any honorable mentions?
1: Um. Ooh, I guess I didn't even think of honorable mentions. I got I got a couple. I would say Shrinky Dinks would be on my yeah. honorable mentions. The one that you mentioned with, like, the oven that yeah. you made the bugs yeah, out yeah. of, that would probably be on my honorable mention list. Um, And then I got one later, but I always wanted, like, a, a PS2, and I eventually got one when, like, the PS2
0: Slims came out. Yeah. But, like, the original PlayStation 2 I wanted really badly and never got one of those. Yeah. No, it's good. I always wanted a pet snake. Mm -hmm. And, like, I begged for years, Mm -hmm. years for my mom to get me one. And she's like, no, they smell. And I'm like, no, they don't. They smell great. That was a terrible impression of your mom. I know. That's, that's awful, but I, I I always wanted a snake. I was obsessed with snakes as a kid, so I always wanted one as a pet. I think
1: I think I'm glad your parents never got you a snake as a kid because we wouldn't be
0: friends. That makes sense. Because I, 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 I would I hate snakes. I would turn into a really I would be a manager of Hot Topic if I had gotten a <laughs> snake as a Christmas gift. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I'd wear the long black jacket the duster in the middle of july that's one of my irrational fears (laughs) (laughs) you don't know if i'm
1: actually wearing clothes underneath or not right you would take die hard more seriously as a christmas movie and
0: wear like a dirty tank top all around december my last one i guess is i just always wanted a younger sibling because i was (laughs) the youngest sibling and i was the youngest cousin of my family too so i was like always like you know the low tier. I wanted, I wanted uh, either a, a a brother or a sister or just something, just so I <laughs> wasn't the the youngest. Yep. I never got that. That's fair. I, I did ups- not. I was upset. It was bitter as hell. <laughs> all right. You got anything else? That's all I got on Home Alone and toys. Excellent.
1: Excellent. Do award pod? Let's award the pod. Go Who for do it. You got. You go for it. Uh, so my first up, my not first up. My <laughs> award this week is going to go to Kaylee Quoco um so she had a show that came out a couple weeks ago on hbo max called the flight attendant mm-hmm. um it's kind of like a thriller comedy drama kind of thing um it just came out has gotten awesome reviews and they've already renewed it for a second season mm-hmm. um so and part of the reason i decided to give it to her i was going between her and francis mcdormand um but for kaylee cuoco to have this like a couple years after the big bang theory wrapped like a lot of sitcom stars especially for something that went for 12 years have a really hard time getting into something ne- the, getting into that next project because they don't want to jump into something too quickly it has to be the right prod it has to be the right um, story and they ha- don't want to get like typecast into certain mm-hmm. things but for her to take this on and just for it to have the success it's having right away um, is a really good is a really good sign for her
0: nice very nice. Uh, I'm gonna give it to um, a YouTuber slash podcaster. Um, his name is James A. Janice. He runs a podcast and YouTube channel called The Dead Meat. Okay. And specifically, there's a a channel that I watch like religiously called The Kill Count. Okay. I think I feel like I've told you about Yeah, you you've about told him me about before. this. Yep. So he's been releasing two a week now. Oh wow. Like as like he because he knows like. He's been quarantining, obviously, like a lot of other people have. And he just mm-hmm. knows that like a lot of people just need something to look forward to. So on it, he's been doing a lot more podcasts. He's been doing a lot more kill counts. And all of his kill counts have over... I mean, they average over 3 million views mm-hmm. a t- every every time he puts one right. out there. So I, I... And and YouTube has been trying to like essentially fuck him. Oh. Because like he he gets ad sponsorships to show gorier stuff. Mm-hmm. But YouTube keeps taking down his videos. But he's really? finally like... I think he's finally, like, figured it out to why they're, they're doing that. So I, I, everyone should go check him out. Everyone mm-hmm. should listen to his podcast. Him and his wife do a really good – they talk about horror movies. It's a very horror-based concept, but he's very funny okay. with how he does everything. It's, like, very entertaining, so it's not, like, bleak. And, like, when someone gets killed, he doesn't, like, say, oh, and this person gets their head chopped off. Right. It's it's very, like, comical of how he talks about horror movies. Like I said, everyone should just go check him out. Um, for sure. Support him. You know, so that's how he makes
1: his money as YouTube viewership. Remind me on the kill count. So he does like a, he'll watch a movie and tell you how, like how many people die. So he,
0: yeah. So he'll upload the, like he, so he buys the movies on Blu-ray and uploads them onto his channel. So he shows you like Mm -hmm. each scene that happens. So he has a running total of the number of kills that happens in the film at what, like who dies at what time in the film what like how many kills there has been and at the end of it he awards the golden chainsaw for the coolest kill for sure and then the dull machete for the for the for the lamest okay and it's 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 really just like i said it's just funny because he breaks it down really well uh, he keeps it light keeps it comical but he also has an, an infatuation <laughs> with horror movies mm-hmm. so he likes to drop like horror knowledge and he likes to talk about like the directors of photography he likes to talk about a lot of people that like work on the set like especially like the special effects artists mm-hmm. so he'll like name drop a lot of people which like, gives them recognition to those yeah uh it's just fun to listen to like nice. there's a lot of really good videos like he's done all the nightmare on Elm streets yeah. he's done all the the big franchises and he's starting to do a lot of new movies you said he did um the rambo
1: movies right where it's like the first movie had like two deaths in it and yeah. the next movie had like over 100 Yeah.
0: something like that yep for sure so they they they're just fun to watch so if everyone should just give it a chance it's called the kill count it's dead meat mm-hmm. um he does a lot of twitch streaming as well so okay it's good stuff excellent you got anything else that's all i have excellent uh as always i'm alex i'm nathan see you next week go watch a movie
2: out of all the rangers, you know you're the mastermind run run Turn!